my name is Autumn Dixon, and this week is August 14th through the 20th of the Come Follow Me program for 2023 that is associated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we are studying the New Testament this year. Now, there is a doctrine that is unique to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is a doctrine that is sometimes a source of ridicule for our church. However, it is a doctrine that is taught by Paul in Romans. So this is Romans chapter 8, verse 16. It says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, a lot of churches believe that in some form or another, they are the children of God. However, our beliefs about this tend to be a literal, a little bit more literal. We believe that we are literally his spirit children. And because we are literally his spirit children, we have the potential to become like him. Now, a lot of people would argue that this is blasphemous, that we would put ourselves on the same level as God. However, as I have pondered and studied this doctrine, I have found it to be anything but. In fact, it has only caused me to love and honor and respect and reverence my Father in Heaven even more. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about this belief that we have. Why it makes sense, right? Now, when it comes to the aspect of parenting here on earth, there is an immense amount of research about what it means to be a good parent. There is a staggering amount of information about how to be a good parent. And our Heavenly Father is the epitome of a, the ultimate perfect parent. Everything that we know about being a good parent that is encompassed in his parenting strategies, right? And so as we're talking about this, I want you to think of what it means to be a good parent here on earth, what a good parent, how a good parent feels about their children, what they want for their children. And I want you to apply that to our Heavenly Father who is, who asks that we address him as father for a reason. When I think of my own children, and I know that I'm not alone in this feeling. When I think of my own children, I want them to have more than I ever had. And that doesn't necessarily mean I want them to have more toys and vacations and even prestigious educational opportunities than I had. That's not what I mean when I say that I want my children to have more. What I mean is that I want my children to learn the ways of happiness faster than I did. I want them to acquire more wisdom at a younger age so that they can avoid some of the pitfalls that I fell into. <laughs> I want them to develop more resilience in the face of difficult things. I want them to take advantage of the time that they've been given, take advantage of the agency that they've been given, and tap into the power of our Heavenly Father so that they can accomplish amazing things while they're here on the earth, starting from a very young age, right? And if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto our children and want the best for our children, how much more is our Heavenly Father going to want to give good things to us as His children? He loves us so much more. I believe that I am His literal spirit daughter. I believe that because I am His spirit daughter, I have the innate divine ability 
to develop the qualities that he has. In fact, I think that's why I'm here on earth, right? Is to develop those qualities that I want my children to have. He sent me here because I am his daughter and he wants me to develop those qualities. I believe in a heavenly father who has the ability to help me progress to that point. I believe in a heavenly father who doesn't have an ego, right? Who who wants his children to experience the same joy that he has experienced in being a father, a heavenly father, right? Now, once again, some people would look at this as blasphemy. How dare I put myself on the same level as my heavenly father? But I think it's the exact opposite scenario. I am floored that he would want me to live the kind of life that he lives. I am amazed that he would pay for it and provide for it. I think it's blasphemous to say that he only wants us to grow to a certain extent. I think it's blasphemous to entertain the idea that even though he is all loving, that he loves us more than we love our own children. And even though he is all powerful and has the ability to do whatever he wants. I believe it's blasphemous to say that he would want to keep himself above his children that he loves so dearly. Now, above is a relative term because I want you to think about it in a different scenario. I want you to think of a mortal father who is a very, very, very good father. And he is growing old. Not everything directly applies. Our analogy doesn't completely (laughs) directly translate to Heavenly Father, but try to pull out the principles here. We have this mortal aging father, and he was an incredible father. And he is surrounded by his children in his old age. And they've all grown up to have their own various jobs, to do their own thing in life, to have their own families. But all of them have grown to the same character, stature, as their father. And as they sit around their father, I don't think that as they have grown to become like their dad, as they've grown to have his humor and his patience and his resilience and his wisdom, as they have grown to become like their father, I don't think that they have pushed him aside. In fact, Because of their father, they have been able to develop these amazing qualities that have improved their lives. And in my mind, they would reverence their father even more. They would love him even more for what he gave them because he loved them enough to give them what he had. Just because, let me rephrase that. Even as I rise to the vastness of my divine potential, that will not mean that I will push my Heavenly Father aside and that I won't feel a need to worship Him anymore. In fact, I believe that as I rise to that potential and as I, because the only way I'm going to be able to do it is with Him, as I'm feeling him leading me along, holding my hand, helping me grow throughout this mortal life and to continue to grow after this mortal life. As I am feeling him lead me along, I will want to worship 
him more. Even if I grew to develop all the qualities that he had, I would love him for leading me along, for giving me the opportunity to live like him, for giving me the opportunity to be happy like him. I would love him more than the child who would be allowed to only progress to a certain level. My choice is to grow to become like him. My attempts to emulate him, to feel as he feels, I believe that that is the ultimate form of worship. Now, a second little point that I want to make about this idea, why it makes sense (laughs) that we are his literal spirit children and that we have the ability to grow like him. I have a son who is three, (laughs) and I'm currently teaching him to put on a jacket, (laughs) and he does not love it. (laughs) It is not his favorite thing. In fact, he often hates it, and he gets really frustrated as I'm putting on his one-and-a-half-year-old sister jacket, he gets really frustrated that I don't help him put on his jacket. He hates it. He hates that I am pushing him to learn how to do that. He doesn't want to do it. (laughs) But I do it anyway. (laughs) And I do it because I know that it is just one tiny step that will eventually help him become the responsible, well-adjusted, happy adult that he has the potential to become. Now, this is a really, 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 really tiny example of what Heavenly Father has done when he created this world, right? He created an environment in which he sent us down to learn and to grow. And this environment that he put us in was not arbitrary. It wasn't just random with random tests and random difficulties, right? No, Heavenly Father is brilliant, right? The environment that he created for us is fallen. We live in a fallen world, but it is similar to the life that we are going to lead after we die because he wants us to be able to prepare for that life. He's not going to give us these random experiences that won't help us develop and be prepared for the next one, right? What would be the point? (laughs) Why give us irrelevant experiences? What are the points? What's the point of introducing us to the joy of growing and developing, experiencing unity in a family. Why grow it all if we are meant to stop progressing when we get to the other side? Why grow to any extent if we can't keep growing until there's no growth left to have, right? If it were me, if I were Heavenly Father, which I am not, if I were Heavenly Father and I knew that there was going to be a cutoff for growth for my children, that I wasn't going to let them progress past a certain level. If I knew that heaven only consisted of sitting on clouds and singing praises and feeling ecstasy all the time, I would have not gone through the whole struggle of creating growing pains for my kids. I wouldn't have cared to give commandments. I wouldn't have cared if they had developed a sense of responsibility or integrity because what do they need it for? If you're in this constant state of ecstasy, it's not like you're going to like go about rebelling, right? <laughs> if all, if the only life I had prepared for my children after their mortal lives was to sit and sing praises and to live in ecstasy, I would have created a world for them, given them drugs, and then had them sing in choirs, right? To so that they would know what their next life would be like, so that they could prepare. I would put them in a scenario 
So I would know whether they would be prepared for this next life in heaven where they're going to be praising and feeling ecstasy all the time, right? The test that we're experiencing here is not random. It's not random. <laughs> it's showing Heavenly Father whether we are going to prepare, be prepared for the next life. Seriously, what is the point of growing here on earth if the growth just randomly stops when I die? My experiences here on earth that my Heavenly Father has given me has opened my eyes to the beauty to the beauty of the kind of life that he leads. As I have tried to emulate him and as I have experienced on a much smaller scale experiences that he feels when he sees us do good or when he helps us, as I've tried to live like him, I have experienced the same happiness that I'm sure he feels when he helps us. And I don't know that I would be content to just sit in a constant state of ecstasy in the next life if I could take my consciousness with me and the knowledge that my Heavenly Father has given me, I don't know that I could be happy for eternity with just stopping. <laughs> because I have learned the importance and beauty of difficulty. Heavenly Father's life isn't easy. I think sometimes that's a weird concept for us to wrap our minds around, but his life isn't easy. When you look at what he has to witness as he watches his children every day, his life can't possibly be that easy. He sent me here to earth so I could get a taste of struggle so that I could experience struggle, progress, triumph, so that I could experience what it feels like to create something beautiful, what it feels like to overcome difficulty, so that I could experience what it feels like to develop unity in a family, what it feels like to be in a family. He was giving me a taste of all of this because he wants to literally prepare me for my next life after I die. Earth would make no sense if there's nothing that we're preparing for on the other side except to sit on a cloud in a constant state of ecstasy. This whole experience on earth would have made no sense. Why would he have done it? There's another verse that I want to share. There's a couple more verses that I want to share. We'll take one at a time, though. <laughs> so this is Romans chapter 8, verse 17. And this comes right after the verse I read at the beginning where it says, we are the children of God. It says, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if it so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together with him. When it talks about us suffering with Christ. It's not talking about us experiencing the suffering that he experienced when he performed the atonement. It is not talking about suffering just being a random test. It's talking about so much more. The suffering that this verse is talking about, so that we can be glorified with Christ, 
is so that we can realize our ultimate destiny as children of God. I want to read the next verse. This is verse 18. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The sufferings that we're having right now are nothing compared to the glory, but I want you to pay attention to what it said about glory. It says, the glory which shall be revealed in us. The suffering that we experience here in life, the suffering that was such an integral part of earth was meant to forge (laughs) the glory which shall be revealed in us. It takes that dormant spirit child of Heavenly Father and turns them into exactly what they're supposed to be. That was the point of the suffering here and the difficulty here. It was to forge us to become like our Heavenly Father in glory. It's literally saying that we can be glorified with our Heavenly Father, with our Savior, with our Savior. If we choose to suffer with Christ, I'm sure there's a million meanings to this verse, but the verse that the meaning that I latched onto this particular time is that when we choose to suffer with the companionship of our Savior, that suffering refines us. And we are, we are glorified. We become like our Heavenly Father. We become like our Savior, Jesus Christ. When we let Him carry us through our difficulty, we become better, <laughs> we become amazing. When we experience this life and walk through this life, becoming what our Heavenly Father wants us to become. I think uh, this is a very specific example. I'm not sure why this specific example came to my mind. But I think of a mother who has lost a child. And the immense suffering that she must feel over losing that child. If she can find a way she can somehow find a way to let the Savior walk with her through that experience, then it will make her. It will make her glorious and amazing. The kind of woman who can live with hope in God after an experience like that. It will make her glorious. I think of her standing on the other side, holding that child that she still gets to raise. (laughs) combined with the knowledge that that suffering that she experienced in life made her who she was. One more verse. This is Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. It may not always feel good, but it is for our good, suffering. Everything that we're experiencing here on earth is for our good. It's preparing us for our next life. (laughs) It is helping us step into our divine potential as children of our Heavenly Father. I am grateful for... My Savior, Jesus Christ. I am grateful that he created this earth 
even with the knowledge of all the suffering that was going to occur in it. I'm grateful that he chose to create it anyway and to put us here because he knew what it would do for us. He knew what it would help us become. Like a parent who allows their child to experience natural consequences because they know that it will help their child become better and therefore happier people, our Savior created this earth with all of its suffering because he knew what it could do for us. He paid the price for our sins so that as we worked to become like him, our sins wouldn't count against us. They would not bar us from living with our Heavenly Father. And I am grateful that our Savior took it a step even further. Not only did he allow us to come to this environment and to experience these difficult things so that we could grow to become the glorious beings that we're meant to become, not only did he pay for that experience with his blood, but he chose to also experience the pains that we experience and the suffering that we experience so that we wouldn't have to go through it alone. I am grateful for him and I love him for that. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.